a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. I'm Christina Kahn. And I'm Leela Hilton. And this is Burn Before Reading. The podcast about shitterature. We're here to examine the terrible writing we did when we were younger. And talk about other cringy literary topics along the way. Our guest today is Sam O'Brien, host of Content and Capable. Say hello to the listeners, Sam. Hi, everyone. I'm very excited to be here. This is super fun. I'm looking forward to it. Welcome to Burn Before Reading. <laughs> it feels real now. We've been talking about this for like a year at this point. I feel I've been recording it for like a year. <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. Glad to have you on the pod. Glad that we bojangled until after Leela was part of it to record with you. So this will be an official episode <laughs> instead of one of the other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> In case anybody doesn't know, maybe we have some new listeners who aren't familiar with the network. Uh, tell the people about your podcast, Content and Capable. Yeah. Hi, I'm the host of Content and Capable. Um, the way I've been describing it recently is like, conversations with cool people that you kind of wanted to ask questions about how they got what they were. Um, Hell yeah. I, yeah, I chat to all sorts of people about their passions and how it kind of interacts with their everyday lives. It's super fun. It's super chill. We do everything from like super serious stuff to two hours of me trying not to like explode with laughter uh, every five seconds. So, you know, (laughs) it was super fun. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's a really great set of conversations. There's all your Deus Ex Media regulars. If you haven't gotten around to listening to all the podcasts, it's a great opportunity to kind of like go, oh, this is what these people are about. And then also, you know, guests from all corners of the internet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for plugging the network. Yeah. We love it. (laughs) If you haven't checked out Content and Capable yet, definitely do. There's a lot of really wonderful conversations over there, including a couple with yours truly and also yours truly, Leela. Yes. Sam, what is the cringiest thing that has happened to you this week? The cringiest thing that's happened to me this week. (laughs) Recording at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. Oh, yeah. Wow. Gotta be up there. <laughs> it's more my poor housemate who's just gone to the living room to sleep because she can hear me through the bedroom wall. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry, oh. housemate. Sorry, that that was my fault. Um, but also, there's been a lot of work to be done this week. Um, and when there's a lot of work to be done, I become an incredibly transparent human being. And in the world of corporate, that doesn't necessarily oh, yeah. make for the greatest... <laughs> So there have been, there was a, a point on a Monday where we had someone from head office ring me and she rings me every Monday um, about the newspaper and we were having a chat about things and we were, were sorting something out. And I, I was sorting out a very particular part. We've got a new boss. He's sorting out most of the paper, but I was sorting out particular parts of the paper to kind of like ease the load off of him. And I... <laughs> Mm-hmm. made a comment about the attitude that everyone else at corporate 
had um, about what I was doing because there'd been a little bit of pushback. And I made it on the phone in front of two of my co-workers who then informed me that I probably should have said that because it may get back to the people I was complaining about. Um, and that- Sure, sure. <laughs> that was- cringy and I have not stopped thinking about that (laughs) and I get that like weird gut dropping feeling like every now and then of like oh gosh I said something I'm not supposed to yeah it happens to the best of us and when the goss is that hot especially it's just (laughs) it's it's really hard not to share what you're what you're what you know I know that's why I always tell my husband Sean he's a steel trap (laughs) he'll never repeat it Lila, what's the cringiest thing that happened to you this week? Hmm. Well, I can mostly just think of one thing, which is, like, we're just going to go there, okay? I do not generally watch porn, right? I just don't. I just don't think about it much. Um, Anyway, I got curious, and then before I knew it, one day, one night this week, I was watching porn for, uh, it was four hours, Four hours. But was it? uh, Didn't they uh, restrict access to porn in Virginia recently? Somehow there's like other sites. I think okay, all right. Once I don't know about. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I found one. I'm not gonna plug it because who knows? But were you just don't? We're not plugging porn. Um, but do you? (laughs) We don't know if they're uh, if they're complying to the demands of the strike. Yeah. Were you just watching it like for funsies or respectfully, were you masturbating for four straight hours? I was trying my best. Oh, good for you, babe. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I just woke Jason up and I was like, come on. Oh, nice. Okay. He was like, what? Uh, Okay. So if it ends in middle of the night sex, that it can only be so cringy. That's true. So I guess that part's not not cringy. It's a success cringe. But it was (laughs) four hours of porn. And they're only like, making up for lost time. They're only like five to ten minutes long, so it's like. Didn't you get fatigued, or were you really? Were you like sampling every king? I was just looking. Or, yeah, I was kind of just looking around. Okay. For the, a specific thing that I was looking for that I can't find, I like nice boys. I want nice boy porn. Nice boy par- <laughs> porn. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's just that that is so not what porn is for. But I'm sure I know. It I think maybe amateur or something would be best. I think if you want nice boy porn, you're gonna have to dabble in like some like dominatrix type oh, where the men are yeah. like serving. You know, I'm just writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. I'll try it. I'll try it sometime. I do love how like you 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 can end up in like the like the YouTube rabbit hole of porn, uh, where you just like keep going and like oh look there's another video and it's like a like a trail of crumbs Ooh, you're following. Yeah. Oh man, Tina, what's the cringiest thing that happened to you this week, my love? It had to be when I was supposed to drive Haley to the train station, but then I fell asleep by accident, uh-huh. which I I literally have never fallen asleep by accident, except for like at night on my couch. Yeah. But I fell asleep in the middle of the afternoon with my Nintendo Switch like on my boobs, like a little baby. Like I just <laughs> was so sleepy. I just had to fall asleep in the middle of my game. And Haley was texting me and calling me and my phone's on silent and I woke up and it was like eight minutes until her train left and I was like I'm coming <laughs> and I got her there another success cringe Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I got her there on time she only had to run for her life for a couple minutes 
character building. Yeah, that, so that was cringy and silly. Anyway. Anyway. What bring... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, what brings us to you today? What did you bring us today, Sam? I brought a short story that I wrote for a year 10 English assignment that upon reflection, I don't know why I decided to run with this plotline. It seemed very weird. It also, I can't quite understand why I had to write this English assignment knowing my year 10 English class. There was always a reason for each of the assignments and I have vivid memories. Or like a prompt. Yeah. There was always vivid okay. memories of every assignment that I had written. This one, do not remember whatsoever. I don't know what this year okay. 10 English assignment was. It was also... Okay. Yeah. Well, this well was, it was your final. It said the, the, the document is called final. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I'd written it five times. <laughs> oh, I, I get it. It's not like a final assignment. It's like final, final, final draft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I th- I had to write it. So we had to do the draft under exam conditions. And I think I walked in, uh-huh. my e- head empty, mind blank, um, wrote the wrote a vague thing of this and refined it. Don't yawn. Don't assignment. yawn while you talk on this fucking podcast, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that on the restricted section. You can't do that here. But yeah, yeah, I walked in, we had to do the draft exam and I walked in with my my head empty and came out with a vague idea of this um, <laughs> and was like, well, I have to run with it. Uh, and so okay. this is what ended up being the final assignment. What I am very confused about is a why no one told me that it was a bad idea and B... Why no one, like, really taught me how to write a good short story? Because I've never been taught. We'll be the arbiters of whether or not this is a bad idea. Let's <laughs> get into it. Do you mind reading this for us? I can read this for you. So, it's called After the Wedding. It was only a year since Dave was best man at Brendan and Andrea's wedding. As the best man, Dave had organized the rehearsal dinner the night before. The whole event had nearly turned into a disaster. Dave had walked in on Brendan and Joe arguing in the small toilets. Why don't you like her? Because she's below you, Joe exclaimed, his face red from too much alcohol and spittle flying out of his mouth. I love her. Isn't that enough? I don't care for class. I'm marrying Andrea and that is that, Brendan huffed crossly. Good God, (laughs) Brendan. Can you, you see she will bring you down? If you told me who she was, then I could be a little bit more organised. Invite the right people. Help her with dowry. Maybe buy her some less fancy clothes. I'm not listening to this, said Brendan quickly and left the toilet. He pushed past Dave and stormed out of the toilet. Dave followed him just in time to see Brendan standing frozen near the stage and table of honour in front of Andrea, who had obviously heard the argument too. The wedding surprisingly went without a hitch. If you don't count Andrea's bridesmaids getting so drunk that no one could hear Joe's speech over the noises they were making. Now, a year later, Dave tried to find ways to keep the peace. They talked about Dave's detective business, noting that the police seemed to solve the cases quicker than he could. He hoped he would get another case soon as he was running out of money quickly. They watched as a parent lit the bonfire in the pit and some older children flew a kite dangerously close to the gum tree. How's the marriage going, Dave queried as he flipped steaks on the wood-fired barbecue. 
better now, Brendan said enthusiastically. I think Andrea might have accepted the fact that Joe had said the wrong thing that night. And I'm starting to like her, Joe interrupted, even if she's not our class. As he said this, Dave could see Andrea walking up to the group. As Joe expressed his opinion, her face went dark with anger. Her pace quickened and she surprised Brendan and Joe as she came into their line of sight. I'm going to town to get some more salad and pick up the cake. Her voice was crisp and clipped. She turned and walked briskly away, ignoring her husband as he fruitlessly called, Don't cut yourself with those new keys. And to the others, he said, It's probably an excuse to go get her bridesmaids. I knew that they would get drunk before the Savo even began. The party was packing up when they saw Andrea again. Joe had left with the steak knives he had brought to put them back into the car. The women were cleaning and the men were drinking and smoking, waiting for the promise of cake as the last of the sun's light faded, giving into night. That's when everyone heard the scream. It echoed off the trees, amplifying it by twofold, shrill and piercing. Everyone ran towards the source of the noise, only to find Andrea. She was sobbing on the ground. Beside her was Joe, dead. There was blood on the grass and standing the pavement. Each spurt of blood made a disgusting splash, strengthening the metallic, metallic smell in the air. The police and ambulance arrived one after the other, their sirens wailing in unison with Brendan's voice. The red, blue and white lights lit up the scene like a disco. Dave stood there feeling no emotion, but curiosity as the local constable and doctor gasped in surprise and horror as they took in the sight. They quickly went to work, cleaning up the disgusting mess and putting Joe on a stretcher. After being questioned, Andrea promptly left, not even saying goodbye. Brendan and Dave retreated to the living room as everyone left. Dave was unusually excited. He had the perfect crime, gruesome yet solvable, he hoped. He established that the only people in the, na- in the neighborhood that weren't in the house was Andrea and the bridesmaids. He also noted the wounds looked like they had been stretched after the initial puncher and the holes were the size of a steak knife. This means that it must be the steak knives, Dave concluded quickly. He was pacing now, and each time his shoe hit the wooden floor, it made a sharp clicking sound. What other thin, sharp objects were at the crime scene, Brendan asked, beginning to get depressed. He was sitting on a floral couch, slumped. There was a minute's silence as they both thought. Wow. Amazing. I chimed in with, haven't you people ever heard of closing the goddamn door? No. So what? what is this? What the hell is this? So, so it's a wedding. It's a wedding, and then it's like one year later, yeah. And then maybe Andrea murdered Joe, or yeah. maybe Dave did. So, from what I understand, what I was trying to imply with this was that Andrea had stabbed Joe with her new keys. Oh, the sharp. Key- Okay, I have actually like so many questions. First of all, I know that Arvo means evening, so let's just get past that. Um, are keys sharp? Are new keys like very sharp? I know that they they can be, but not that sharp. Like they've got to be safe for humans. So, <laughs> <laughs> whoops! Gra- yeah, I reached too quickly into my purse, and now I lost a finger. Yeah, like babies play with keys, you know. <laughs> And they do. I watched Freya put one in her mouth just the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Disgust. It's so you, gross. Can, you, you can tell I don't have a set of keys for the house because this whole story, like. <laughs> <laughs> so you said this was year 10. 
Yeah. So that would be junior year, I think. Uh, and no, you would have been year. Six, six, 15, 16, 15. 15, 16, yeah. It's, it's oh, weird transition. What, 2019, 18, 17. So, yeah, I was 15. Uh, yeah, 15 at the time. Okay. My next question is, tell me how much class affects your life in Australia. So, for in the, like, kind of, for context, in the Australian curriculum, English is compulsory. So... Like most schools. Um, I meant social class. The, uh, ish- the issue at hand with Andrea here. <laughs> I should have specified. Um, <laughs> well, okay. I had to go to class, so that's how much it affected my <laughs> life. Well, yeah. Same. So, same. <laughs> I think I was trying to put in a problem that made sense at a wedding. Um, and I think... Like it's it's like a Pride and Prejudice. That's problem. what I thought too. I was like, that's not it. Like, um, even with Andrea, I was like, okay, Lizzie Bennett insert. Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she overheard them talking, insulting her class, and yeah, I was at a ritzy <laughs> private school at the time, which I think wasn't helping things in terms okay. of like this private school. Like, there were a lot of very rich people hanging around. Um, and it wasn't an expensive, like, in the grand scheme of things for private schools, it was not an expensive school. But um, mm. I think in the back of my head the whole time I was at that school, I was, like, keeping in mind that, like, and I was always of the opinion that my parents couldn't necessarily afford to send me to this school. Um, and they, I think that that always ran in the back of my head whenever... I rocked up to, you know, things like this because I had been trying really hard to get to school that day and there probably was an argument about, you know, dropping off and picking up and catching the bus and, you know, someone, we had to go scrounging. We just didn't have a lot of change in the house, but, like, we had to go finding change Mm -hmm. to pay for the bus tickets. And it's very much, uh, as you said, you know, very much like woe is me. So you align yourself with Andrea in this piece? I think so. It reminds me of in The Parent Trap when she says, You want to know the real difference between us? Let me see. I know how to fence and you don't. Or I have class and you don't. Take your pick. (laughs) Yeah. And my my accent is about as good as hers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because in America, we don't. Like, the way that we view class is just, I think, different from at least, like, okay, the UK. Because that's why I'm asking about Australia. Mm. Because, like, in America, like, class exists, but you, you don't talk about it. And it, it especially here in, like, we live in, like, a, a city and especially in urban places, it's, like, race, racial discrimination first and then, like, class discrimination follows. Whereas, like, in the UK, I think it's flipped. Mm. I think that, like the reason people are racist is because they're really classist. I mean, mm. there's people who are racist too, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't talk about class here like that. It's like, well, either you're rich or you're not, and you can like kind of still be friends, I guess, yeah. like hashtag American dream or whatever. I do also think that it might have been to a little bit to do with what I was reading at the time as well. I can't remember exactly what I was reading at the time, but I know a lot of my writing from early high school till about this point when I realized how 
quite horrifying this piece is. <laughs> I was reading a lot of Artemis Fowl by Owen Coffer, um, and <laughs> that's got some really strong language about, like, opulence and, and a little bit class as well. It is kind of based in the UK, but also then it does, like, jump around time-wise at things like that and bits and pieces. So I can see where mm-hmm. some of those influences are kind of sitting there. Obviously, I just was like, let's put a whole bunch of big ideas into a English assignment that had a limit, of, a hard cutoff limit at 800 words. Um, which- oh, okay. It says it says at the bottom, 793 oh. words. Samuel. <laughs> yes. Close enough. Cut close. <laughs> I had to be within 10%. So if it, they, they give you a hard limit, it's plus or minus 10% is your word limit, word range limit. Okay. So it was between... Would have been 723 to 880 words. Okay, I have another clarifying question. It's called After the Wedding. It starts, incidentally, before the wedding. It starts. Um, it's like the rehearsal dinner. And then it skips ahead to a year later. You know, mm. Dave's trying to find ways to keep the peace. And then it says... Don't cut yourself with those new keys. Uh, it's pro- Okay, She's. it's probably an excuse to go get her bridesmaids. Is she... Are we still calling them bridesmaids even though the wedding is <laughs> over? a year ago. <laughs> what, bridesmaids for life? I don't have an explanation for this. <laughs> this is... <laughs> bridesmaids? It's like they're all still wearing their, like, bride tribe t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? If I had to come pick up all my bridesmaids, I'd be like, no, bitch, get your own <laughs> ass yeah. here. I'm not coming to get you. And so is this like their anniversary night? Because she does. she's saying, I'm going to go get more salad and pick up the cake. I'm guessing so. I don't. Like for, there's for a, a lot of I nonverbal. Thought- like, there's a lot of implied context here that I'm very confused yeah. as to where it's coming from. <laughs> for a second, I thought we had gone like back in time. Yeah. So we start we start before the wedding at the rehearsal dinner, and then we go forward a year. And for a second, I thought we went back again to the wedding to get the cake and the salad or whatever. But that your that bride is doing too much if it's the wedding. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> I think that another thing in there that was oh, can you go back to it? Oh, he could help her with dowry. What is that? Oh, yeah, well, a dow- I mean, you know what a no, dowry is. No, I know, is, right? but but this seems like it's in modern time. Well, yes, it's set. This is the thing. It's set today, but somehow it's got like this really old-fashioned language. And I'm like, no wonder. He literally like- did. Sam just watched Pride and Prejudice the night before. <laughs> it really seems like it. My family can't afford a dowry. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I, and, like, if I think back to, like, some specific things that, like, resonated with me that I was reading. And the other the other weird thing is, like, in this unit, from what I remember, we read a lot of short stories. But they were never near the word limit of what we were doing. They were always, like, a couple thousand words. And I was like, okay, how do you expect us to write an 800-word short story when you haven't given us examples of what an 800-word short story looks like? Um, and the the only examples they could give were past assignments. And then even then you could only have it for like the class and then they took it back so no one could cheat. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, you'd think that they would be able to tell if you turned in the thing that they handed you. Uh, they're very serious about it. Real quick, Sam, we did forget to ask you, like, what is your history with writing? So, like, you, I know that you're, you're a journalist now, which is awesome. So you do a lot more like formal, not formal, but like technical writing. 
But like, what was that path? Were you in 10th grade? Did you consider yourself a writer or were you just in a class that made you write? Look, people are still confused why I'm a journalist today based on things like this story. I always had been better at maths and science, just like grades wise than I had been in English. Mm hmm. And I've been trying to find out, maybe it's a future episode if I find the actual story. I did write a quite a horrific story that involves a lot of things in sixth grade. Oh, um, horrific. Horrific in the way that, like, I cannot believe I submitted that as, a, as an assignment. And I cannot believe my teacher yeah, gave me an A for it. Hell yeah, that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, you should have burned before... Reading it out loud to your class. Hopefully not. Oh, my God. Oh, please, no. (laughs) And so, you know, I'd always, like, kind of just gotten by with the creative writing. So, the way our English course is structured is that every year you have to do a creative writing unit. You have to write a short story or something equivalent. And, you know, there'd be other essays and things you had to write and, you know, something multimedia once a year as well. But, yeah, the creative writing thing was always always a pain in my backside because I just, to me, I just never had any ideas. It wasn't that I didn't have any ideas. I just don't think I had a any healthy way to kind of execute it in a short story format. I feel you. Yeah. And some of those creative writing things were under exam conditions. So you would be given a hundred word grid that you could write out, you know, like a summary of in a hundred words, your story. A hundred words is nothing. Yeah. It's like a paragraph. The amount that we learned to communicate in a hundred words was amazing. Like I was memorizing That's very as good much for as I journalism. Could. Yeah. And then we yeah. would just like the hundred words. And then, you know, sometimes we get creative. If I was like really desperate, I would highlight things and bits and pieces. It was a whole thing. Wow. Yeah, always had struggled with it. And English was never my strong subject. I couldn't get above a B. I I knew, always knew I had the potential to get an A in any maths or science or any other creative subject. I always knew I could get there. English, I was like resigned to the fact that I couldn't get above a B. Oh my God. That's so funny. My situation could not have been more opposite. (laughs) Yeah, same. I was an English bitch and like I was really good at writing. Mm. Always. I could write my way out of anything. That's how I learned how to bullshit so well, you know, I think. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And then I was so bad at maths and science says. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you on that. Okay. Well, thanks, Sam. I'm glad that you have come into your writing. You know what I mean? Like you write on your own terms now. And like, I mean, not on your own terms. You're employed by a company, (laughs) but (laughs) in your own way. The short stories and to an extent the essays as well, I wrote in this period of about five or six years is a really a testament to the fact that our education system sometimes fails people while still teaching them um, things. Uh, because Wow, ain't that the truth? They would teach us about advanced writing techniques. And I learned a lot. Like, we were, this was an advanced English class, by the way. And I love that class because I was just with a whole bunch of smart people who knew what they were doing and we could kind of like cut to the chase. But what it had meant mm-hmm. was that there was a lot of assumed knowledge, even in like, year, even in seventh grade when I was just in a normal English class, there was a lot of assumed knowledge and we just like never were taught it or never were taught it in a way that going, assuming you know nothing, let's, you know, let's run through how to write an effective short story. 
I had the exact same situation. There's two classes that I took as upper level English linguistic college courses that could have made my entire like high school and college career so much easier. Those two courses are one advanced grammar, which it says advanced, but I had never taken like a real true grammar class. And it explains everything that you're supposed to be doing. Like advanced grammar, very cool. It teaches you to like understand sentences. And then the other thing I took was critical theory. I took that in my final year of college, the class that teaches you how to read literature and ingest other media through a critical lens. I did fucking 12 years of school doing that. They in, in ninth grade, you're writing down like how the outsiders <laughs> is like talks about like mid-century American children or like whatever. But I didn't take a class in how to do that until I was fucking 22. And I've never, I've never let go of that because it's so frustrating. It's like, I could have written such better papers about this dumb literature. You've been asking me to read all these years. Oh, a hundred percent. It just felt so backwards. And what I loved about is when I decided to do journalism. So 12th grade was where things kind of turned around for my writing. Um, maybe one day I'll find it cringy enough that we'll share the short story I wrote back then. Woo! But um, it was a fascinating time where things started to just kind of click. I had a wonderful English teacher who just kind of walked us through what she was looking for marks wise. And I wrote this mm-hmm. story and the story made my... Uh, teacher cry like it was a really well written story and I entered it into a competition didn't get anything for the competition but you know it was good enough that she deemed hey can you enter this into the competition if things started to click and then I jumped to journalism at university and they went right back to the start and they're like okay let's just go right back to the start let's just teach you how to write and admittedly writing for journalism is as you said very technical but like at the same time I look back I look at some of those classes I took and like talking about dialogue tags. Oh yeah. I was going to, I was going to bring up, um, huffed crossly. Love that. Made me giggle. Yeah. Um, I think that was the only one you got some like adverbs, which are totally fine and cool. Cause they're not stupid. Like, uh, some other adverbs I've seen. Oh, also concluded quickly. That's a good one. <laughs> that one was, yeah. Whew, yeah. Dave had walked in on Brendan and Joe <laughs> arguing in the small toilets. What's a small toilet? I have no idea. I was like, why is the word small pair? Get it out of there. Small toilets. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's like a bigger bathroom somewhere else. <laughs> you can tell I also don't have any, like I don't have a filter. We're having this argument in the toilets then. <laughs> no, that's a great place to have an argument. This whole story is about Joe talking shit about Andrea, but... Uh, improv 101, what is the relationship of Joe? Is this just some guy? I was wondering guy? that too. Is it, is it Brendan's brother? Like, who's Joe? Is it Andrea's ex-boyfriend? I'm assuming Joe is Brendan's brother. Okay. Yeah, I didn't make it clear. I'm so sorry. Uh- <laughs> oh my God, don't, you can't possibly apologize because if you had made it clearer, <laughs> there would be less for us to talk true. about. Um, so I just, I, I like that you have this, the, so the pro- ostensibly the protagonist in as much as there is a protagonist in this is Dave for no, no reason at all. It's like Dave is the best man at the wedding. He organized the rehearsal dinner. He walks in on the argument, does nothing, 
<laughs> does nothing. A year later, Dave's trying to keep the peace. They're talking about his detective business. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was. It, I thought that was funny. I was like, by the way, he has a detective. Business. He's, a, he's a detective. <laughs> and then it's like Dave watches Joe make an ass of himself again, watches Andrea walk away, and then does nothing. And then he's like, okay, well, luckily I'm a detective, so now that this guy got murdered, here I am. What a great <laughs> summary. It's very convenient of for the police, you know. Wow, this is great. It's like one of our best detectives was a witness. This is great. Yeah. So I like this Dave guy. It's like, what are you doing? I don't know, man. I'm just the detective. I'm just friends. It's giving Harry Potter. I, I'm just the boy who lived. <laughs> the plot's happening to me. <laughs> a kind of like the is, is his name Nick Carraway right from the great Gatsby <gasps> yes. like that kind of a protagonist where he's just like watching nodding watching nodding observing how did I get here I don't know <laughs> letting everyone time, make their mistakes <laughs> uh, Sam do you have anything else you want to talk about regarding the final oh no that's the name of the file after the <laughs> wedding that's the name of the story <laughs> Um, there was one thing I was keeping an eye on, and I think that there is that there is a massive time jump within about the first the third of now it. a year later. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we were taught, and admittedly, who's taught this after this, is that like a sh- short sure. story like this, a five minute span of time, like you know, write an in- basically write an interior monologue at that point. Like, you've only got 800 words. Don't try to communicate things that are too much. They also wanted, like, the mm. full narrative arc. And I was like, how am I going to communicate that, like, there is, like, sizzling tension, you know, me, 15, going, how am I going to communicate there is underlying tension? It's like, well, let's time jump a year. Um <laughs> it has been, it's been hard for Dave this whole time trying to keep the peace. <laughs> Poor Dave. Yeah. And the way the time jump is written, like with the when Andrea overhears them and gets mad and then goes to goes to get her bridesmaids. This the way they're talking I think we already said this, but the way they're talking about it, it really seems like they it's almost like it, they went back. Or they're what there's like it seems like they went Going back to, to the bridesmaids. Wedding. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. there's another time jump, maybe? Well, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it is their anniversary party, though. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that, like, in Sam's little 15-year-old brain, yeah. he was like, I'm not going to name them. They're just the bridesmaids. She's They're going so to get annoying. her friends. They were all bridesmaids. Yeah. They're so annoying and loud. You mentioned it twice, I wrote down, just judging, a little oh judging God. about the yes. bridesmaids. Okay. Andrea's bridesmaids getting so drunk that no one could hear Joe's speech over the noises they were making. Good, because he's a douche. And I knew they would get drunk before this Arvo even began. <laughs> <laughs> he's so bitchy, it's funny Sam. because, like, Sean, Sean, like, isn't bitchy, but he would be like, yeah, they're drunk already. <laughs> like, he, it's just like a funny. Pr- In some of my old writing, I definitely talk shit about people who drink, smoke weed, mm-hmm. but, and I didn't know any other drugs at that time. <laughs> End of. You list. said you said Joe's face was red from too much alcohol. The bridesmaids were getting so drunk, no one could hear Joe's speech. Yeah, um, I knew the they would get drunk before this Arvo even began. It's like I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life, and if I did, I would become a sinner. <laughs> it does <laughs> something like it that. does read that way. Yeah, it's giving. I still have memories of my parents drunk, but also like I also like in the back of my head, 
the only reason that like my parent like that you know at a wedding the only thing you can do is just get absolutely wasted which like is a thing you can do but you could also just not get drunk at a wedding so that is wrong i think you i think for some people that it's wrong and you have to get drunk at a wedding yeah yeah i my parents always make sure they can get drunk but i've definitely seen people be like designated drivers um which I love being a sober person Good around a whole them. bunch of drunk people, to be honest. Um, well, it's a oh, lot God of fun. God bless you. I hate my friends. When <laughs> yeah. they're drunk and I'm not, I hate them. I'm like, you guys are so fucking annoying. And I'm just, that's usually why I end up leaving parties is because I am sober again now. And this isn't <laughs> this fun. Isn't you guys fun are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're sober the whole time and watch the ridiculousness that goes on, at least in my head, it's like hilarious because it's like, oh, you know, you think this is funny, and now I think it's funny because you think it's funny. <laughs> I know that some people are like that because Brooke is really good about hanging out with us. You know, before she had the baby, yeah. she is never afraid to hang out with us when drinking is the goal. And in fact, I have a really beautiful memory of one of my birthdays. We got so drunk. I went out dancing and I blacked out. And when I came to, it was like just me and Brooke on the dance floor and everyone else had left. And I was like, you <laughs> stayed with me. That's a ride with me. She's like, She's like, hell yeah, girl. She was still going. And I'm like, you can, it's crazy how you can just do that stuff sober. <laughs> it is amazing. Honestly. Crazy how kids can fall asleep sober like that. There's some good lines in this story. Like there is, there are like lines. I'm like, that was a good line, you know. Now a year later, Dave tried to find ways to keep the peace. It echoed off the trees, amplifying it by twofold, shrill and piercing, things like that. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. This is where the, the bones of the story are, is in good lines and not in good plot. Yeah. Yeah. The writing is good. It's just that I don't care about this problem until we get to the murder. And then it's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa that escalated quickly. I think it's yeah. it's also funny. Like, I think in Australia as well. Yeah. Like, as well as the UK, when you're very cross or like angry with someone, it really comes off more and just passive, a very passive aggressiveness. And mm. so, like, the worst thing that she did was just speak with a crisp tone. And she's th- that bitch is crisp. And then also, I didn't see anything about her like crying and running away or like, yeah, doing anything. And then at the end, but then she did, I guess, with we, we think murder that gentleman. It's crazy that she over here, it says <laughs> Brandon standing frozen near the stage and table of honor in front of Andrea, who had obviously heard the argument too. And Andrea says nothing. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Andrea's like, it's my wedding day. I'm not dealing with this. She is the bigger person in this moment. She's like, uh, and then her arc is that she snaps mm-hmm. <laughs> and murders a guy. I support women's rights, but I also support women's wrongs. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it, it also is like an underlying, not trauma, but like a, a response to polite company is that like, I refuse to have an argument in front of, in front of other people to, with someone. Oh my God. 100% unless. Unless it's like a group problem, you know, like if, you know, you know, if it's a group problem, fine. But I think especially being with Sean, Sean would rather die (laughs) than argue in front of other people. And even if I'm like, hey, Sean, next time I need you to like pick up your coat off the ground. If there's people in our house, he's like, "Ah, ah, they're going to hear that you're admonishing me. (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather die. And but I love when other people argue in public. It's true. It's very entertaining for me. 
I'm in a Facebook group called This Is My Nosy Bitch Bookmark, and it's just people <laughs> spreading tea. And every once in a while, there's a post where it's like, hey, the person across the hall from me is breaking up with her boyfriend. I can hear, oh my God. And this like updates. So it's like, he's in the hallway now. His clothes are in the hallway. Ooh. He's crying. He's call- he, he, he just called her mom. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> she put on a despacito. She's, she's not hearing him anymore. <laughs> So one more thing about this story. Uh, so you said that the keys were the the keys were the murder weapon, yeah. but I got I got confused because at the end, it's like it wasn't the steak knives. Dave concluded quickly. He was pacing now, and each time his shoe hit the wooden floor, it made a sharp clicking sound. So I was like, does he have knives on his shoes? <laughs> that's, that's, Knife that's shoes. What I thought <laughs> it was Dave. Also, how he concluded so quickly was Dave. Is Dave our red herring? No, Dave is the detective. Oh. He can conclude anything. <laughs> I'm, so, I, I'm really getting confused with the with the boys' names. I think there's one too many boys. That's the thing is like I think Dave and Brendan could be the same character. Yeah, I don't know why they're separate characters. Like, or or Dave needs a personality maybe <laughs> <laughs> to just make me remember. He, well, he has his own detective business, or is that a different what? one? That's a, that's a, no, that's him. Okay. That's his whole personality. Who who in this story has the most character? Is it Joe? Because he's the only one who gets dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> he is classist and murder. J- that, but that's character. It's true. Dave uh, be flipping steaks though. That's like pretty cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Literally flipping a steak on the Bobby. Wow, yeah, the, well, yeah, the, uh, the men were on the out on the Bobby. Layla, you got it. I'm stop. sorry, but like that whole part I did write down is just so Australian. The, 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 so incredibly the, Australian. And then, like, the, the, you mentioned the gum tree, too. Like, I feel like that's a, you know, like, yeah. You know that Kookaburra <laughs> song? Like, I've mentioned a gum tree. Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. Gum tree. Marinate, yeah. marinate. That's quite enough. <laughs> I just pulled up this conversation on our Discord server where I was like, hey, uh, Sam, Leela, do you want to record? And Sam's like, uh, blah, 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 up to you when. And Leela was drunk, feeling herself. She had just gotten back from a concert. She said, you're chalkers, mate. Good on you. September 23rd is Ripper for me, Arvo, or whatever works for you. And then the next day on the Discord server, I was like, which for as little as a dollar a month, you can sign up. Any of our network shows that have uh, Patreons, so you can be part of our server, too. But the next day, I was like, what is the last thing everyone Googled? And yours was Australian <laughs> slang. And I was like, I know, bitch. I know that's the last thing you Googled. <laughs> I Googled modern Australian slang because I didn't want to say something like cringy. I was like, what are the kids so saying? Like, that's chockers. <laughs> oh, my God. That's chockers. Okay, Leela, do, do you have any final, final words about... I keep wanting to call this the final. It's called after the wedding. Um, no, I I think that they're right. There's like a lot of good uh, bones in the writing, and it makes me interested to see Sam like some of your current stuff and just kind of see like how you've grown. I can tell like descriptive writing in general is like something that you probably really like. So I'd love to see how like you've grown and what other tools you've added to your tool belt. Yeah. Write this again, but better. I'm just kidding. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do that, but you can. Actually, I mean, that'd be a great idea. idea. Maybe I do that. <laughs> <laughs> a good exercise. So, Sam, I gotta know. Do you think this piece is horny, sad, or just plain bad? <sighs> Look, 
I'm on the fence between sad and just plain bad, but I think in a let's be real, it is just plain bad. There's a murder. It's at least a little bit sad, but it's mostly just plain bad. I'm more sad at the fact that no one ever like pulled me aside and was like, "That story shit, Sam. Let's like fix it." If you wrote it for a final, oh no, you didn't though. It just it's just the final draft. I keep getting confused about what final is. I just wish that in a classroom that like someone like the teacher like looked at my draft and was like, that's horrific. Sam, let's try to fix this. <laughs> but I, the thing is that I think that if comparing this to the stuff I wrote in the middle of high school, mm-hmm. it's the same amount of good that mine stuff is. So like we're, you were on track, I think is why no one told you it was bad. You were on the path. And you have to think about the quality of assignments that your peers turned in that your teacher yes. had to get mm. through. Oh, my God. Taylor talks all the time about how they like her students use like text speak in their assignments. So, like, at least we didn't do that because that's kind of sad. No, thank you. That would make me sad. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I think there's like I said, there's there's a lot of like potential in this. And as a teacher, I would probably be somewhat refreshed to I assume to read something that was in any way coherent um, or looked like that anybody cared. It's like a two a two act a uh, 793 word story. Um, so it's certainly not horny. I would say like opposite yeah, the of the opposite horny. of horny. Yeah. Like, a- like Andrea is frigidly <laughs> upset this whole time. Yeah, she's, she crisp. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I guess I would say it's just plain bad. Honestly, it's just plain bad. Congratulations, Sam. Ooh, I win. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for joining us on Burn Before Reading. Thank you for having me. Where can the people find you on the internet? So, um, you can find me at sam.the.journalist on Instagram and on TikTok. Go and check me out there. I'm usually a little bit more coherent than this story was. Ain't that the truth? You can also check out Content and Capable. So, um, you find that wherever you get your podcast, you can follow the podcast. Uh, Content, the letter N, capable on Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, Lots of memes, lots of videos. Shit, I realize I didn't do my social media stuff properly this week. Anyway. (laughs) I love realizing that kind of stuff live (laughs) on the podcast. I know, it's great. (laughs) This has been very fun. Thank you, Sam. I hope that you'll come back to talk about maybe one of mine, maybe one of yours, Mm. maybe one of Leela's. Yep. I probably should also say, if you want to see more recent work that I've done, uh, you can head to uh, www.samobjournalist.com. You can find, you know, my radio stories, summaries. Unfortunately, a lot of my written work uh, so far is behind a paywall. So do not pay for it unless, you know, you want (laughs) to continue reading a regional newspaper from Australia. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, you can go and check out some of my more recent work um, and some very interesting um, stories I've gotten to work on and definitely some very clear progression, which is nice. All right. Awesome. Well, that's it for Burn Before Reading. Until next week, remember, your cringe is part of you. But only a small part of you. 
This podcast was created by me, Christina Kahn. Hosted and produced by Christina Kahn and me, Leela Hilton. Follow me online at Christina Kahn and pre-order my book, Indie Book Publishing from Start to Finish, coming from Wildling Press in January 2024. After you bought Tina's book, follow me online at Leels for Reels. Our theme music was produced by Sakura Wishes. And our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Follow Michael on Instagram at RoyGDiv or check out his work at wildlingpress.com. Thanks for listening, friends. See you next time. Dave X Media.